Welcome to the Teal Shirt Report. My name is Scott. Great to have you tuned in today. And uh, we are recording this particular Teal Shirt Report right here at the end of the year in 2020, welcoming a new year of 2021. This is episode number 82. You know, in 82, the number 82 resonates with Jimmy Smith, the former wide receiver who put up incredible numbers with the Jaguars. Will he be in the Hall of Fame one day? You know, his numbers suggest that that he could. But, you know, all the Jaguars fans and most all the people in the NFL said, hey, Tony Baselli's going to get in. He's not gotten in yet. Fred Taylor could get in. He's not gotten in yet. And the Hall of Fame certainly is a, another discussion for another day. But since this is episode 82, I uh, did want to mention – uh, Jimmy Smith, who, by the way, is part of the pride of the Jaguars with Mark Brunell, Fred Taylor, uh, Tony Baselli, uh, Wayne Weaver, Wayne and Dolores Weaver, the former owners of the Jaguars. Well, we got bad news and good news, and most of the time, that's almost in any situation. The bad news is the Jaguars lost to the Bears 41-17. to the good news is the Jets won again. The New York Jets have won again. They defeated Cleveland uh, back on Sunday. And, you know, that's going back to the, um, you know, today being December the 30th. Uh, Sunday's going back to December the 27th. So back on Sunday, December the 27th, the Jets defeated Cleveland 23-16. Hey, maybe Mr. Gase is going to save his job with the New York Jets. Probably not, but, man, he's had that team playing good uh, with uh, consecutive wins, you know, over the Rams and Cleveland, both contenders for the NFL playoffs. So uh, give the Jets some credit. I think the Jaguars fans are pretty happy with the Jets winning because now the Jaguars, who it looked like, you know, might have to – keep losing. Now it doesn't matter because the Jags have all but sewed up. They have sewed up the number one draft pick in the NFL draft for 2021 when the draft is held in April of 2021. We're going to talk about the draft some today. The situation with Doug Marone, you know, most likely getting fired certainly at the conclusion of the 2020 season. The general manager search. We're going to try to hit on all these topics. We want to tell you that our podcast, the Teal Shirt Report podcast, is continuing to grow. We are now listened to in as many as 25 states. So we're, you know, we're listened to in half the country. And then we're listened to internationally uh, the UK, England, New Zealand, Germany, uh, Hong Kong. Hey, guys, all over the place you know, including uh, Canada, France, Puerto Rico, and hey, welcome to the Teal Shirt Report podcast. This is episode number 82. Hey, we got a lot to talk about coming right up. Stay tuned. Okay, you're listening to the Till Shirt Report, episode number 82. Again, we're listened to in as many as 25 states across the United States, 
countless countries internationally. We're worldwide. And we're going to tell you like it is because, you know, we've, we've always told you we're going to let you know our thoughts, our commentary, our opinion. And, you know, ultimately, as far as decisions uh, for a new general manager, you know, even a new coach, I mean, all of this is in the hands of Shad Khan, the owner of the Jacksonville Jaguars. Now, I can talk about what I think Shad should do, what he might do, uh, what he will do. And personally, I don't know what he will do. We'll, we'll find out soon, right? We have a good feeling that Doug Marone will get canned at the end of the season. Now, will a new general manager fire Doug? Or will maybe the interim GM Trent Baalke fire Doug? Or will Shad Khan fire Doug? You know, um, when Mike Malarkey got fired after getting only one year as the head coach of the Jaguars and everybody else got a lot more time than Mike Malarkey. He, he was the head coach for one year. Then I think he got a raw deal with the Tennessee Titans too. He got fired. He got fired in a year, you know, about what, about two, three years ago, he got fired by the Titans in a year. They made the playoffs playoffs. So it's interesting how things happen in the NFL. It's kind of a vast microwave oven where everybody wants everything now, right? You know, the internet came along, cell phones, um, you know, basically instant communication, Twitter, what have you. And, you know, basically we're on most of all the social medias, the Facebooks, etc. So we're going to talk about this stuff. Now, being that this is episode number 82, we're going to talk about Jimmy Smith real quickly since he wore number 82 with the Jaguars. His career stats... And I tell you, he spent his like 95% of his career with the Jaguars. He had two years with the Dallas Cowboys in 92 and 93. Due to some, some serious medical issues, he did not even play in 94. Coach Tom Coughlin, who was running the team, you know, running, making the moves, as well as coaching the team in 95, you know, he uh, picked up Jimmy Smith in 95. What's interesting, Jimmy Smith in uh, 92 and 93, when he played for the Dallas Cowboys, he played only seven games in those two years. What's amazing and makes this such an outstanding move that Tom Coughlin, you know, made uh, to pick up Jimmy Smith, Jimmy Smith played in 16 games in 95, 16 games in 96, 16 games in 97, 16 games in 98, 16 games in 99, 15 games in 2000, 16 games in 2001, 16 games he played in in 2002, 12 games in 2003, 16 games he played in in 2004, 2005 he played in 16 games. In his career, he played 171 games. You know, if you minus the seven he played with the Cowboys – if my math is still good that I learned in elementary school means he played in 164 games for the Jaguars. Now, if you look at his career stats, he had virtually no career stats with Dallas, with the Jaguars, 171 games played, 862 receptions, 12,287 yards. Um, 
He averaged 14.3 yards a catch. Um, looks like his long catch was 75 yards. He had a touchdown. My goodness, look at this. 67 touchdowns in his career? Let me repeat that. Jimmy Smith had 67 touchdowns in his career. Amazing. First downs, I, I'm assuming the FD is the first down category, 599 catches that went for first downs. Moving those chains, Jimmy Smith. And, uh, you know, he did have 12 fumbles in his career, but he got most of them back, 12 fumbles, and he only lost four of the fumbles. So those are the stats. Jimmy Smith wore number 82 with the Jaguars, and this is episode show number 82 of the Teal Shirt Report. We started the Till Shirt Report back in January of 2020. We're giving you our slant on Jacksonville Jaguars football, North Florida entertainment, other area sports as well. So thank you uh, certainly for tuning into the Till Shirt Report. Now, as far as what's going on with the Jaguars, real quickly, we could talk about the game. I mean, the Bears beat the Jaguars at home. This was a game the Jags really had to lose, right? if um, they wanted the uh, first overall pick in the draft. However, Coach Doug Marone, um, the team, they're out there to win. I mean, players for the Jaguars are fighting for jobs, whether it's with the Jaguars in 2020 or, you know, another team in 2021. Hey, these players are doing their best. They've got to perform well uh, to keep their job this year and next year. I know Taven Bryan – Got benched a few games ago, like five or six games ago. So it'll remain to be seen what happens with him going into year four for him, but not looking good. Um, as far as the game, Chicago Bears 41, the Jacksonville Jaguars 17. The Jaguars and Coach Doug Marone made a decision to play co to play a quarterback, Mike Glennon. Mike Glennon. He's got a career losing record. We pointed it out in, you know, some of the articles we wrote. And, uh, you know, Mike Glennon, I guess, is safe pick to, you know, to play. Um, Gardner Minshew went back to the bench. In fact, it was like an open quarterback competition uh, during the week of the Bears game. Mike Glennon is now, he went into the Bears game with a 6-19 and overall record. Now he's 6-20. and Doug Marone allowed uh, Mr. Glennon to play quarterback against his old team, the Chicago Bears. Mike Glennon has an overall record of six wins and 20 losses now as a starting quarterback in the NFL. He started, let's see, so he's, if my math is correct, he started 26 games so far. So also James Robinson, the running back for the Jaguars, who's gotten well over 1,000 yards, he got that that 1,000 yards, over 1,000 yards in 13 games. And he got snubbed by the Pro Bowl. Amazing. So, you know, here in Jacksonville, this is what we're up against. We're kind of up against the national media, as a lot of people know. They're looking down upon the Jags. You know, now we got the first overall pick. And they're saying, oh, my goodness, um, Trevor Lawrence going to the Jags. Well, you know, that's what it's looking like. That's what I want. That's what you want. That's what our neighbors want. That's what the Jaguar season ticket holders want. That's what we want, right? So 
looking back at the Bears game real quickly because I'm not going to talk about a lot of stats from this game. What is in, what is important to know is that Mike Lennon started. Running back James Robinson was was sat down. I don't think Robinson, honestly, was even at 100%. He's had some ankle issues, but he was sat down. He probably could have played. But, you know, why uh, take a chance on, you know, um, making his injury worse? Sit him down, rest him. I don't know if Robinson plays in the next game. I'm thinking he probably will because his ankle's got to be somewhat better by, you know, the last game against the Colts, right? But we'll, we'll see what happens, obviously. There were some, um, you know, in my opinion, there were some some good plays by the Jaguars, a couple of good plays. I saw the two touchdowns the Jaguars scored were great catches by DJ Chark and wide receiver LaVisca Chenault. Let me tell you, LaVisca Chenault is going to be a star in this league in the NFL. DJ Chark made one heck of a catch uh, to start the scoring, then LaVisca caught the second touchdown pass. And I got to tell you that um, – the new GM, whoever it may be, whoever it may be, whoever Sean Khan says, hey, you're going to be my new GM, whoever it may be, the one of the very first things they've got to do is re-sign wide receiver DJ Chark. Don't let these guys get out the door. I mean, this guy is a legitimate receiver, and he's gradually becoming really a number one receiver in the NFL. His stats have been a little bit down. But there's been issues. Quarterback play has been off. I mean, the Jags have had three different quarterbacks starting. Um, Mike Glennon, who started against the Bears. Uh, we know the only victory the Jaguars got was a game, the very first game of the season, which was started by Gardner Minshew. About the middle of the year, Gardner Minshew experienced some injuries, tried to play through it. I think he was originally injured in the first Texans game back on October the 11th. And then he tried to play through it. Once it was kind of seen that, hey, Gardner's not 100%, he was sat down, and, hey, he can't play. So um, then um, the team did take a look at uh, Jake Luton, who played well at times and then played bad with a four-interception game against the Steelers. Mike Glennon came in after that. Mike Glennon. Played good, I think, for a game or so. And then, you know, Glennon showed his sputtering inconsistencies. And the thing about it is the Jaguars were competitive in a couple of those games. But, you know, Glennon never won a game. He's 6-20 and 20 in his career as an NFL starter. So that's where we are. I think Gardner Minshew is still the best quarterback on this team as, of we, as we record this on December the 30th of 2020. However, the Jags now have the first overall pick. Thanks to the Jets winning again, the Jets beat Cleveland 23 to 16. The Jets beat the Rams a couple of weeks earlier and the Jags, quite frankly, unbelievably have lost a, a record, a franchise record, 14 games in a row. Let that sink in. We've been saying let that sink in for the past three weeks, 12 in a row, 13 in a row, and now 14 losses in a row. Making sense of who will be the next coach or the next GM or both? We're going to talk about that as the Teal Shirt Report continues. My name is Scott.
Well, you are listening to the Teal Shirt Report. We mentioned the score a little bit earlier. We'll mention the agonizing Bears loss. Uh, the Bears, Chicago Bears 41, the Jacksonville Jaguars 17. Uh, back on Sunday, December the 27th, that was the 14th consecutive loss in a row, a franchise record, one you don't brag about, but one mixed with a couple of Jets wins at the end of the season here as the Jets beat the Rams in Cleveland. I think Adam Gase, the uh, coach of the Jets, is bucking to maybe keep his job although he probably won't. So, you know, we definitely have to uh, wave and uh, smile at the Jets. Trevor Lawrence coming to Jacksonville with the number one pick. There's not a GM in his right mind that's that's not going to draft Trevor Lawrence with the number one pick overall. And if you get a guy that doesn't draft Trevor Lawrence, shotgun, you you hired the wrong guy. That's what it comes down to. He is... uh, I wouldn't say head and shoulders above the rest of the quarterbacks, but there is definitely, you know, there's definitely a little distance between Trevor Lawrence and the rest of the field, as they say. Now, the Jags drafting Trevor Lawrence would be a great thing for the franchise. The other quarterbacks that will be drafted in the first round, and there may be as many as five or six guys um, you know, you talk about Mac Jones from Alabama, Kyle Trask from Florida, um, the kid uh, Wilson from Brigham Young, uh, Justin Fields is talked about as as one of the, maybe second or third among the quarterbacks out of Ohio State. So we'll see what happens. And there's a there's a kid that plays up in the Dakotas for one of the Dakota colleges, smaller school, that he's talked about as being perhaps a first round pick too. So there could be as many as four, five, or six quarterbacks maybe drafted in the first round. We'll see. But Trevor Lawrence looks to be the best among the best, and it looks like the Jaguars will draft him no matter who the general manager is. Even if Shad Khan or his son Tony Khan decides they want to be the GM, which isn't going to happen, but they're going to pick Trevor Lawrence too. So let's talk about this this situation with the Jags having to hire a new general manager. You know, and I get into these conversations on social media and even with, uh, you know, friends and and different people and whatnot in the business, in the media, not in the media. And I'll tell you that everybody's got an opinion on who should be the next coach, who should possibly even be the next general manager, although the coach walks the sidelines, so he's more visible. The Jaguars have already interviewed some guys. Uh, Rick uh, Smith, uh, Rick Smith, um, Rick Smith, the former Texans GM, who um, left the Texans job, you know what, a couple of years ago. Um, I know he had some, as I'm told, had some illness in his family, and um, you know, so the the Jags have interviewed Rick, Rick Smith, uh, former Texans GM. Jerry Reese, former Giants GM, Lewis Reddick, who's never been a GM, but you know he's worked, he's worked in the NFL in some high capacities and has been a TV analyst and is a TV analyst, I believe, at the current time. So Lewis Reddick, who's kind of a fan favorite, maybe to get the job in some circles, uh, Lewis Reddick, because you know he's a TV analyst and all. 
Lewis Riddick's been interviewed. So is Jerry Reese, uh, Rick Smith. Uh, we understand that Trent Baalke, the interim GM for the Jaguars, who used to be the 49ers general manager a few years ago, he, he will be interviewed if he's not already been interviewed as we uh, record this podcast on uh, December the 30th of 2020. So these are the guys, Rick Smith, uh, Jerry Reese, um, also, um, you know, as I mentioned, Lewis Riddick, Rick Smith, Jerry Reese, um, Trent Baalke will be interviewed, the interim GM, if he's not already been interviewed. Um, however, all of these guys have either been a GM and left or got fired or they've never been a GM. I, I have heard also some things, you know, some rumblings about some of the assistant some of the assistants to the GM in Seattle, perhaps being a fresh new face. But that's what Dave Codwell was. He was with the Colts and the Falcons, and he was one of the, you know, one of the the top assistants um, to the general manager, right? Do you really want to go that route with a first-time GM or a GM that's either been fired or left a job for whatever reason? Um, why not shoot for the moon? I, I had a, a good discussion with JC, one of our producers of the Teal Shirt Report, and he's also uh, one of our contributors and, and freelance writers, fantastic freelance writer, uh, JC. And we, we got on this discussion the other day concerning a guy we know of, a guy who actually grew up and lived in the same town as our BigJReport.com freelance writer, JC, I mean, check Wikipedia. Les Snead is from a small town in Alabama. You fall Alabama, actually. He has been, and the reason why I bring Les Snead up is why not shoot for the moon? He's the current Rams GM. He may be looking for a new challenge. Shotgun, listen. Listen to this. Les Snead is a current GM. He's still only 49 years old. He's got a boatload or yacht load of experience and this guy may be, you know, wanting a change. I mean, he, you know, he's big on SEC football players. He, uh, you know, he went to Auburn, uh, went to high school in Alabama. So it's interesting what could possibly happen. Now this would be like a shoot for the moon candidate. However, keep this in mind, Les Snead, is an interesting guy. I mean, Sneed was born and grew up in uh, Eufaula, Alabama. He was also an all-state offensive guard at Eufaula High School, the Eufaula Tigers. He switched to tight end at Troy State before attending the University of Alabama at Birmingham and earning a varsity letter for playing on the first NCAA-sanctioned Division III uh, school. That was UAB, the UAB Blazers football team. I believe that was the infancy of the program. He then transferred to Auburn. After Snead served as a graduate assistant at Auburn, he became a scout. Where did he become a scout? Back in 1995, the Jacksonville Jaguars. Snead worked with the Jaguars from 95 to 97, the Falcons from 97 to 2009. So he, he knows of Dave Codwell. He was also a pro scout for the Falcons in 09 to, to 11. Um, 
and he, he got the job. And so he was a first-time GM with the St. Louis Rams, now the Los Angeles Rams. He got that job in 2012, and he's presently the general manager of the Los Angeles Rams. He's been there. He's been there eight years. This is just a guy, you know, and there's a thing called tampering. You know, Shad Khan, he might not be to pick up the phone and call Les Snead. Hey, Les, you interested in coming here? However these things work out. Um, but this is a guy, Les Snead, that's a current GM. He's been a successful general manager, still a young guy at 49. He's from the South. Does it make sense he might want to come back home to, to uh, North Florida, South Georgia, parts of South Alabama, as we kind of cover things on BigJReport.com? This is a guy that I'm recommending that Shotgun gauge somehow his interest without any kind of tampering because Les Need obviously is still on the job. But wouldn't you want to hire a guy that's been successful? He's been on the job eight years. Rams have been, you know, to the playoffs. They've been in the Super Bowl. Even though they lost, they got they got some issues at quarterback with Jared Goff, I think. So I'm just throwing that name out there, Les Snead. That's a name that was bantied about by myself and, and also JC. And when, when he mentioned it to me, I said, man, I, I, I like that. I'm on board with that. Is Shad Khan on board with that? Is Les Snead on board with that? Possibly, my guess would be Les Snead might be looking for a new challenge. The only thing I want to do is I want to throw that name out. There's a possibility Les Snead, the current general manager of the Los Angeles Rams. Would he leave the Rams to come to the Jaguars? That's a question. Is Sean Conn interested in hiring a guy that's uh, still on the job as a GM and been successful? Got the experience? Still a young guy at 49? So I'm going to throw that name out there. So we've discussed the ones that have been interviewed, uh, possibly, you know, an assistant in Seattle that a lot of people around the NFL say, hey, Seattle's got some assistant GMs that are great, but they've not been on the job. Les Snead has been on the job for eight years with the Los Angeles Rams, and he started with the Jaguars, was here from 95 to 97 as a pro scout. Hey, were there some pretty good players the Jaguars signed and drafted back in the mid the mid to late 90s? Yes, I think there were. So I'm just kind of tying Les Snead together. He's been here before. He was here during the successful Jaguars years. He's got a I mean, he's got a boatload or even a yacht load shod of experience. And I'm just hey, I'm just throwing that name out there. Les Snead. As far as the coaches go, this is my opinion. Some people say, well, you got to hire the GM first, and then he'll hire the coach, right? Well, that's what happens in most cases. However, the Jaguars, I think, I think they need a high-profile coach. The problem is this. This is the problem. If you hire a high-profile coach, he's either going to want to pick out the groceries like Parcel, or he's got to be comfortable with the guy picking out the groceries, the free agents, the NFL players you draft. So, so Les Snead, I just got this feeling Les Snead could probably work with any of the high-profile coaches, but that's my opinion. However, 
You know, if Shad gauges the interest of Jim Harbaugh at Michigan, who I like the best because he's got the NFL experience, the, the 49ers have been a successful franchise off and on, right? Especially the Joe Montana days, they were on. They won some Super Bowls. However, they kind of became trash a few years after that, and they were kind of at a very low point in the franchise when Jim Harbaugh took over with the 49ers. He built that thing up. When Jim Harbaugh had problems with uh, getting along, I suppose, with Trent Baalke, Harbaugh left. And not long after that, some of the players either quit or retired. I think I think they knew Jim Harbaugh was a player's coach. And maybe they saw that Jim got a raw deal. That's my guess. Trent Baalke, the guy that was a GM then that maybe didn't get along with Harbaugh, um, and I guess uh, uh, several months or a year or so later, he got he got canned. Uh, what was it, a year or two later, something like that. So, so that's where we are. The coaches I like, Jim Harbaugh from Michigan. This, you can get Jim Harbaugh. This is the best opportunity to get Jim Harbaugh because of this fact. Things are a little down at Michigan. He's a good coach. I don't think uh, most of the Michigan fans are okay with him being there. Um, However, I, I think you may see a mutual parting of the ways uh, between Jim Harbaugh and Michigan. That's possible. This is the best chance, and there's been rumors that Jim may want to go back to the NFL, and, and why not? He, he may be – my feeling is he may be a better NFL coach than he's been a college coach. So even though, um, you know, Jim Harbaugh's alma mater is Michigan, where he played uh, quarterback at. Um so Jim Harbaugh, based on the fact that I feel he's a better NFL coach than a college coach, he's got the NFL head coaching experience, I like him as my number one choice. Number two, Dabo Sweeney from Clemson. He's got that comfort level with potential first overall pick, Trevor Lawrence at quarterback. That makes Dabo maybe the number two guy. Plus, he's a winner. He's never coached a game in the NFL you know, as a head coach, but he's won a lot of games at Clemson. He's coached um, Trevor Lawrence, and perhaps there's a comfort comfort level there with um, Trevor Lawrence and, and Dabo Swinney. So I'll put down Dabo as my number two pick. My number three pick, Urban Meyer. He's never, he's never been a head coach in the NFL. However, he's been a head coach for a long time and was a big winner everywhere he went, you know, uh, Utah, Florida. Ohio State, he's won everywhere, everywhere he's ever been. So, however, will he coach again? He may never coach again, but right now, as I speak on December the 30th, I mean, I'm looking at, I'm looking at stuff. Um, I'm looking at, you know, different rumors going around, and all of a sudden, Urban, about on December 29th, yesterday, as we record this podcast on December 30th, his name is is being mentioned out there as perhaps wanting to uh, go to the NFL, and the Jaguars seem like maybe the one or two places he may go if it works out. So Urban is number three. Urban Meyer is number three for me, but will he coach again? That's probably the bigger question. My number four guy, Eric Bieniemy. He's the offensive coordinator with the Kansas City Chiefs. He's worked under, um, I mean, a legend, Andy Reid, who was an outstanding coach with the Eagles. 
took the Eagles to NFC Championship games. Um, he's uh, taken the Chiefs to the playoffs and finally achieved the Super Bowl championship last year. Somebody said, hey, we're going to trade up for Patrick Mahomes. I think Andy Reid might have had something to do with that. And you got a guy named Eric Bieniemy as the offensive coordinator. Eric Bieniemy is going to get hired by somebody. Might not be the Jaguars, maybe another team. But Eric Bieniemy is my number four guy. Now, I've got another list of four or five guys after the top four guys. But right now, I'm just going to mention these top four as Jim Harbaugh, number one, Dabo Sweeney, number two, Urban Meyer, number three, and Eric Bieniemy, number four. I will consider all four of these guys high-profile coaches, and even Bieniemy, even though he's never been a head coach. The other three guys have been head coaches, Dabo at college, you know, uh, Urban, you know, several times at the um, university or college level as far as uh, coaching in college football. Jim Harbaugh's done both, and he was a very successful NFL coach with the 49ers when he was there. That's my, I'm kind of looking at experience. Harbaugh, number one. Dabo, number two. He's got a comfort level with Trevor Lawrence, who'll probably be the first overall pick in the NFL draft. If he comes out of college, which 99.9% .9 of all the pundits say he will, he'll never have a dra draft stock as high as it is now. Couldn't get any higher, even if he came back, played another year of college ball. You know, and if he slips a little bit, he might slip to two or three. This is his maximum, optimum opportunity to be the number one pick overall. Trevor Lawrence is coming out of college. He's not going back for another year. Eric Bieniemy. Eric Bieniemy has not been a head coach, but he's been a successful offensive coordinator. He will get a shot with somebody this year. There'll probably be anywhere from two, three, four, five openings across the NFL for head coaches. Eric Bieniemy will get a shot, whether it's in Jacksonville or somewhere else. So those are my top four candidates. We've talked about the uh, GM situation. Do you hire one of those Seattle assistants? I mean, I just don't want to see the Jaguars hire a guy that's never been a GM, and all of a sudden they're hiring a coach that's never been a head coach. It's kind of like going back to the Gus and Dave syndrome, and we know how that worked out. So I think the Jaguars need to hire a high-profile coach. Shotgun says, okay, we're going to pay up. We're going to pony up. We're going to hire Jim Harbaugh or Dabo or Urban or maybe even Eric Bieniemy. Uh, who do you like as your GM? We got four or five guys interested, four or five um, of the top candidates. Who do you like? Deshaun Khan asked the coach that. That's, I think, what it comes down to. So that's kind of where we are. We're going to check more North Florida entertainment. Uh, the Jacksonville Icemen are back playing at the Vice Star Veterans Memorial Arena. Uh, we're going to get a report from Alex Nunnery. The Icemen played one of the top franchises in the East Coast Hockey League, the Florida Everblades. They came out with a victory. Then we're going to get a report from Alex Nunnery, who went to the Iceman game. Let's uh, join BigJReport.com contributor and uh, Teal Shirt Report interviewer, Alex Nunnery. Alex? Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Teal Shirt Report. My name is Alex Nunnery. We are here at Publix Rink at Vice Star Veterans Memorial Arena for tonight's ECHL hockey game between the visiting Florida Everblades and your Jacksonville Iceman. 
the Everblades come into tonight's game at 5-0, while your Icemen come into tonight's game at 1-4. These two teams actually played each other Saturday night. The Everblades won that game for to nothing. The Everblades lead the, the all-time series, 32-4-3-1. The Everblades, coached by Brad Ralph, he assisted by Jesse Kalecci. The goaltending and video coaches, Josh Robinson, and the president and general manager of the Everblades is Craig Brush. The president for your Jacksonville Iceman is Bob Arabolo, and the head coach. It's Jason Christie. The Everblade, led by Patrick Harper and Tano, and Tanner Giannot. They have registered one point in all five games played this season. Everblade, not a lot of power play goal this season. Your Jacksonville Icemen will be without their leading scorer and captain tonight, Wacy Rabbit. Rabbit, unfortunately, got injured. Got injured Saturday night at the Everblades. The Everblades, located in Astero, Florida, about five hours away. Their arena, Hertz Arena, located about. Five minutes away from Florida Gulf Coast University, Estero, the home of JU baseball utility player Tommy Joseph. Everblades goal by number eight, Cameron Hibbig, assisted by number 44, Cody Soul. The Everblades lead it one to nothing. Ladies and gentlemen, they have scored first in every single game so far this season. Lord goal by number 41, Blake Wanicki, assisted by number 8, Cameron Hebig. The Everblades from Estero, Florida, lead it 2 to nothing. Florida goal by number seven, Alex Kyle. Assisted by number 37, Michael Huntbrinker. And number 47, Logan Bro. It's three to nothing, Florida Everblades. Both of these goalies, ladies and gentlemen, play hockey at two very good hockey colleges. Your Iceman goalie tonight from Percasi, Pennsylvania. Number 31, Amon McAdam, played at Penn State University. And the Everblades goalie, number one, Devin Coley, from Los Gatos, California, played at University of Denver. Again, the goalies tonight. McAdam, for your Iceman. He has started every home game this season. And Devin Coley, for the Everblades. 
main goal by number nine, Mike Smatua, assisted by number three, Kevin McKernan. It's three to one, Everblades. We are at the end of the first period. For Smotua, that's his first goal of the season. Iceman goal by number 29, Craig Martin. Assisted by number 11, Cam Critchlow. And by number 17, Matt Philippe. It's 3-2 Everblades with the lead. Here in the second period. End of the second period. Here at the public Street in Jacksonville, Florida. It's the Everblades from Estero, Fort Myers, Florida. Three and your Jacksonville Iceman. Two. We have 15 minutes until the start of the third period. That goal for Mike Smotala in the first period was his second goal of the season. Smotala, his first season here in Jacksonville. Also, the goal by Craig Martin. Martin, his first season here in Jacksonville, Florida. For the Iceman, the Iceman, the ECHL. ECHL is kind of like the minor league version of baseball. The Iceman, their affiliate is the Winnipeg Jets. These players, will play it with the Manitoba Moose if they get called up to the AHL. The Florida Everblades parent club is the Nashville Predators. Your Icemen are back home right here. Next game is it. This coming up Saturday, January the 2nd. Puck drop is at 7 p.m. Our opponent will be this same Florida Everblades team. The, or the Orlando Solar Bears make their first appearance of the, se of the season here at the Publix Rink on January the 9th. Being down three to nothing in the first period. Your Jacksonville Iceman have come back to tie this game at three to three. Iceman goal. By number 17, Matt Philippe. His first goal of the season. Assisted by number 21, Sherry Van Warmer. And by number three, Kevin. McKernan, it's three to three with 11.42 left in the third period. 
Jared Van Warmer. His first home game as a Jacksonville Iceman. He is a part of the, he came from the Boston Bruins organization. Ladies and gentlemen, the minority owners of your Jacksonville Iceman are Tim Tebow, Daniel Murphy, Miles Jack, and Reggie Hayward. All minority owners, the CEO of your Jacksonville Iceman, Andy Kaufman. Iceman have been here for four years. What a comeback by your Jacksonville Iceman. Down three to nothing. They have taken the lead, ladies and gentlemen. Scored two goals in this third period. We are up four to three. The Iceman goal. Scored by number 22, Eric Nazarian. Assisted by number 29, Craig Martin. 4.47 left in the game. Your Icemen are up 4-3. These two teams, once again, will play each other Saturday. January 2nd. Right back here at 7 p.m. Icemen game-winning goal for number 13, Nick Saracino with three seconds left in the game. Your Iceman win the game, five to three. That's our second win of the game for your Jacksonville Iceman. Your final score, final score. Your Iceman, five. The Florida Everblades three. Hey, great uh, reporting. Thank you, Alex. Alex Nunry, uh, BigJReport.com contributor. And um, Alex does um, interviews and reports on the Teal Shirt Report podcast as well. Thank you for the report, Alex. Again, Alex, BigJReport.com contributor. And um, the Iceman, that was a big win for the Iceman. I'd say the biggest win, obviously, of the season up to now. The Iceman with a 5-3 to three victory. The Jacksonville Iceman, 5. The Florida Everblades, 3. The final score. Uh, we did pull up the standings in the East Coast Hockey League, taking a look at the Southern Division. East Coast Hockey League, I mean, is a very vast and, and big league. I mean, they've got... Um, you know, several teams in the league, obviously. And uh, I'll tell you that uh, in the South Division of the East Coast Hockey League, uh, the Florida Everblades are the top team. And the Iceman knocked them off. Florida Florida, Florida Everblades versus the Jacksonville Iceman. North Florida's hockey team came out victorious. Jacksonville Iceman, five. The Florida Everblades, three. That was the first loss of the season for the Everblades. They're five and one. Uh, the Iceman now their second win of the year. They're two and four. Other teams in the South Division include the Greenville Swamp Rabbits, 
the Orlando Solar Bears and the South Carolina Stingrays. I understand that due to COVID concerns and issues, the Norfolk Admirals, the Norfolk Admirals opted out and they're not playing. They're usually playing in the Southern Division of the East Coast Hockey League. So you still got the Florida Everblades playing this year, top of their game at five and one, but they got that one loss uh, to the Jacksonville Iceman on uh, Monday night. That was Monday night back on December the 28th. So the Iceman won. The Jaguars lost on Sunday to the Bears, 41 to 17. And uh, Alex Nunnery, thank you for those reports. Great reports. He took you right, you know, to to the action as as um, some some reports were filed, of course, by our BigJReport.com contributor Alex Nunnery, who also does interviews and reports on our teal shirt report as well. Taking a look at North Florida Entertainment. I know the 38th special concert was was held back on December the 10th several days ago as the Florida Theater reopened for concerts at 50% capacity due to the COVID issues and concerns. Got to wear a mask, social distancing at most all times too, depending on the situation. Got some more concerts coming up. We all know about Elton John at the arena. Hey, the Icemen are playing at the arena now. That means the Jacksonville Sharks should be good in a few weeks to play at the arena as well. If everything continues, you know, hopefully things get better with the, you know, the vaccine out there, even though it's going to take months and months to get everybody that wants to get vaccinated, the uh, COVID-19 vaccination. So, So that's kind of what's going on. Some concerts coming up of interest. Air Supply will be at the Florida Theater on January the 30th. Abamania, that's Abamania, February 25th of 2021. Again, the Air Supply concert is January the 30th of 2021 at the Florida Theater. Kenny G makes a triumphant return to the Florida Theater on March 23rd of 2021. That's Kenny G on March 23rd of 2021. Frankie Valley in the Four Seasons, March 21st at the Florida Theater. Um, let's see. Also, Sister Hazel, the rock group out of Gainesville, Florida, will be at the Florida Theater. That looks like the next one coming up on uh, January the 16th. Spyro Gyro, or Spyro Gyra, I should say. Great instrumental group predominantly. Uh, they'll be live at the... Uh, uh, this was actually uh, promoted by the Florida Theater. Spyro Gyra will be uh, live at the uh, WJCT soundstage. And let's see, that is actually going to be on February the 28th. So those are some concerts coming up as far as North Florida Entertainment is concerned. Of course, um, we uh, you know we did mention uh, a lot of Jacksonville Iceman news and reports from the game with uh, BigJReport.com contributor Alex Nunnery, who also does Teal Shirt Report podcast interviews and reports for us uh, right here on the Teal Shirt Report. So we appreciate that, Alex. Uh, the Southeastern Conference, the BigJReport.com SEC Power Rankings, we're going to discuss those on the next podcast because those are in the book as far as all 14 teams. And I think what it will do is we'll go over those power rankings after the national championship 
you know, the national, they're in the final four now. It's going to be, uh, you know, obviously Clemson, Alabama, uh, Notre Dame, and Ohio State. Ohio State, the Big Ten champion. Notre Dame, the ACC runner-up. Clemson, the ACC champion. And Alabama, the SEC champion. Who got snubbed? Did Texas A&M get snubbed? Maybe. So the four final teams in college football, obviously, are Alabama, Clemson, your top two teams, and then you got Notre Dame that also made it, and, of course, Ohio State. So we will, uh, we've will we got the power rankings all done for the SEC, but we'll do that on our next podcast, and we'll kind of do that in the midst of the, uh, you know, the uh, final four of the you know, we'll talk about the national, you know, the national championship game. And of course the semifinal games as well. Uh, we'll talk about all that on the next podcast, as far as other area sports goes and what people in North Florida, you know, South Georgia, even pockets of South Alabama are interested in. We want to mention to you the, um, the Teal Shirt Report podcast is brought to you by anchor.fm, the simplest and easiest way to make a podcast. We've seen really some great enhancements and improvements on Anchor, I believe, over the last uh, two or three months. So we want to thank Anchor.fm. We kind of utilize, you know, most of their, uh, you know, creation tools to do the podcast. So a special thanks to Anchor.fm, simplest and easiest way to make a podcast. We're on Anchor. We're on many other platforms too, Spotify, you know, Google Podcast, Apple Podcast. Um, we're on pod paradise, JC, one of our big J freelance writers listens to us through pod paradise. We're also on Spotify and, um, Himalaya and many, many other uh, platforms, breaker anchor look for us. And again, the, uh, Till shirt report podcast being brought to you by anchor.fm saucer realty for your North Florida real estate needs. Go to big scroll our weather information and you, if you scroll our weather information on the homepage, you got to scroll down a little ways, but you'll find in the midst of our 24-7 North Florida weather report, in the middle of that weather report and forecast, uh, you'll find the link to go to Saucerility for your real estate needs in North Florida, whether it is, um, you know, for a new home, you know, home, residential, commercial, business, real estate. Uh, remember to check with Larry Saucer, and you can find the link to Saucerility by going to BigJReport.com. We also want to thank LakeUfallahits.com. That's right, for the best in internet radio, uh, LakeUfallahits.com. You know, great, recognizable, great hits. It's all good at LakeUfallahits.com. That's run by one of our BigJReport.com contributors and freelance writers, uh, JC. Going back to the East Coast Hockey League, just want to let you know the win for the Icemen, in which they, you know, proudly defeated the Florida Everblades uh, back on Monday night, December the 28th. It was the second win of the season for the Jacksonville Icemen. They are two and four on the season with one overtime loss. And so they have played seven games already. And, of course, keep in mind there's social distancing at the arena, at the Star Veterans Memorial Arena for Iceman Hockey. Um, the capacity is, I'm, I'm going to guess, I haven't got the official word, but I'll try to get the official word on the capacity. But based on what Alex has told me since he's been to a few of the games now at, at the arena, it looks like it's about 20 to 25% of the normal capacity 
for Jacksonville Iceman Hockey at the arena. So that's going to be, you know, roughly, you know, and they, they really don't open the upper bowl for hockey. But normally uh, the capacity is like over, what, over 9,000. So with 20 to 25 percent capacity, you're talking about, you know, maybe, um, what, 2,000 to 2,500 hockey fans in the arena kind of spread out in the arena with good social distancing and, you know, people wearing masks in most cases, I guess, unless they're eating some food or something of that nature. So the Icemen are two and four. They played seven games. One of the games was an overtime loss, but they're two and four, two wins, four losses, and one overtime loss. So that's the latest on the Jacksonville Icemen. And again, Alex Nunry, thank you so much for that those great reports you gave us on Jacksonville Iceman Hockey. And we want to thank each and every one of you for listening to the Teal Shirt Report, where we check on the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, We also do other area sports and, of course, North Florida Entertainment as well. It's going to about wrap it up for the Teal Shirt Report, brought to you by Anchor.fm, Saucer Realty, um, that's Saucer Realty, LakeUfallahits.com. You can find the link to LakeUfallahits.com. Also, the link to Saucer Realty on our website at BigJReport.com. And a special thank you to where we do the podcast, Anchor.fm. We're on Anchor. That's uh, kind of the uh, the site or the platform uh, that we would say that we originate from, even though now we've spread out over several platforms. Anchor, we're on Spotify again, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Pod Paradise, Himalaya, uh, Breaker, and there's numerous other ones. I think we're on at least nine or ten different platforms. So you'll find us, you know, look for us on your favorite platform. Uh, look for the Teal Shirt Report uh, podcast. My name is Scott. I want to thank our producers of the podcast, uh, Alex Nunnery, and also JC, our producers of the podcast. Thank you for listening to the Teal Shirt Report. My name is Scott, and I'm out. <laughs>